Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you this morning as we continue our uh, journey through the Gospel of Luke. Um, as many of you know, when a, a new product is, uh, is made, is invented, is produced, it's often uh, tested, it's often stress-tested. Uh, they'll stretch it until it breaks to see what extent, uh, how strong it is. They'll press it to see how much weight it can hold. Whatever it is, it is it's stress-tested tested. Um, and this morning we see a man stand up to test Jesus. Um, and and what, what I think we'll see uh, through this text is, is the, the, uh, the test of mercy, the extent of mercy, the strength of mercy. We'll see three things today, the test, the call, uh, and the mercy. The test, the call, and the mercy. Let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, we are here to, to hear from you. Uh, no one wants to hear my words or my ideas. Lord, we, we want uh, for you to speak to us through your spirit, by your word. Lord, whatever is in our hearts, whatever's in our minds, whatever uh, is in our experience this week, even just in our body, tiredness, anxiety, uh, Lord, I, I ask that that, that, that would uh, go away, <laughs> that you would, um, you would take those things away so that we can hear you. We can listen to your, uh, your voice in your word, um, and, and we, we ask you to come. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, the test. The test. Uh, it says in verse 25, an expert in the law stood up to test him. This is a, uh, a lawyer, an expert in the law, a lawyer who, who studied the, the, the law of Moses, right? The first five books of the, uh, of the Old Testament. It's an expert, and, and we see right off the bat that his, uh, his motives aren't completely sincere. He's not just here asking a, a sincere question, uh, but instead he's trying to test Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's a bold move. You got to get up early in the morning if you're going to try to test the Son of God, you know? Uh, but he, he, he does it. He says, okay, I'm going to, let's see what, what uh, Jesus thinks. Let's see if I can catch him saying something uh, wrong or that, that I could prove him wrong in. And so he stands up to test him. And he, his question is an important one. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life, life with God, life forever, heaven, peace, right, joy, being in the presence of God. What, what must I do? And notice the, the, how he phrased that. What must I do to inherit this? And Jesus answers him and, and, and does what? Well, points him to the law. He's an expert in the law. He, Jesus, so Jesus says to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Which is a question that no lawyer uh, can refuse to answer. What do you think? How do you read the law? And the lawyer answers, 27. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, this, this, this lawyer, perhaps he's heard Jesus summarize the law before. This is the way that Jesus summarizes the law uh, in Matthew and in Mark. Uh, this, is, this would be a common summary of the law. This is a, two quotations, for one from Deuteronomy 6.5, uh, the Shema, which every Jew would have known. Um, and not in the, the second, your neighbor as yourself, is from Leviticus 19.18. 
And so he says, this is, I think this is what the law says. How do you inherit eternal life? This is what it says. Love God with all that you are, your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in you loving God. And then caring for others just like you care for yourself. Just, just like, just like you, you, what you want good for yourself, you want good for others. As you, as you care for your needs, you care for others' needs. And Jesus, verse 28 says, you've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. And I think Jesus, in a sense, is playing this man's game. Right? This man stands up to test him and he says, well, what do you think? And the man answers, he's like, yeah, that's right. Do that and you'll live. And he's, he, now he's telling the truth. It, 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 Jesus is not lying. It is the truth. But, but I think he, he's, he's, he's going along with the man. He's going, you want to go along this line of inquiry? All right, let's do it. Yeah, that's right. Do that and you'll live. And verse 29 says, but wanting to justify himself... He asked Jesus a question. And I think that, that gives us a, a, another hint, another pointer to this man's motives. Um, that I, I think he hasn't tested Jesus sufficiently to what he, he was planning to do, right? Uh, he, 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 he's actually answered. Jesus hasn't answered. Uh, and so he, he, wants to, uh, he wants to justify himself. I think in front of the people around him, go, oh, I'm a, I'm a smart person. I'm, I'm an expert in the law. I should be able to have a longer conversation with this rabbi than this. And so, um, yeah, well, let's clarify. Who, who then is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus, in verse 30, he, he takes up the question. He says, all right, let's talk about that. But he doesn't just answer him. And I love it. I love how Jesus just, it, the, the, uh, the personality and, and what you get from him in the Gospels. Uh, he, there's, there's this clear question, okay, who is my neighbor? And he could have just answered it very clearly, a clear answer. Um, but instead he goes, once upon a time. Right, and you're like, okay, where's this going? Where's the story going? Uh, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. Uh, Jerusalem was high, 2,500 feet above sea level. It was, it's on a mountain, so anytime you go from Jerusalem, you go down. And, and so going down from Jerusalem on this notoriously dangerous road, uh, this road had a lot of caves and crevices and outcrops where robbers would hide. In the ancient world, um, traveling alone, right, without protection, without cell phones, uh, it was dangerous. Um, especially if you're, you were coming from Jerusalem, you probably had taken something to, sell, to sell. You had a, probably some money with you. And so you were coming back and you, uh, if you were alone, you would have been a, a target for this band of robbers. And so that's what happens to this man in the story. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. Right, he's naked, laying on the side of the road, bleeding out. A priest happened to be going down the road, a priest who served in the temple, who offered sacrifices, led the people of God in worship. He's going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite Another religious leader who wouldn't have done sacrifices like the priest, but, but who led in the services, who helped with the ceremonies of the temple. A religious leader, he, when he arrived at the same place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. Now, Samaritans were religious and cultural outcasts. 
right? There was tension, there was racial and cultural tension between Jews and the the Samaritans. Uh, And there there still is, right? Between the Jews and Palestine, right? If If you're a Jew still going that way, you don't go through the West Bank, right? There's still tension, the same racial and cultural tension and religious tension. Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil for for soothing and wine for cleaning. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spent. Right? The, the, there's just so much detail on the care. Right? He goes over to him. He gives of what he has. He has olive oil and wine. He uses those. He gets off of his animal. He puts the man on his animal. Right? So he's walking. He's carrying the man out. He, he puts himself in danger. The robbers could still be there. They could be, they could be around the corner waiting for someone to stop and help this man. They can get robbed that person. He takes him to an inn. He, t- he takes care of him. Not just there. Not just, not just, okay, he's in a populated area. Probably he'll be fine now. No, he gives, he gives a lot of money. He puts the man up in the inn. This will keep him here for a while. And, and if, if he needs more, I'll be back by. Here's my information. I will pay whatever extra, whatever he needs. Just put it on my tab. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law says, the one who showed mercy to him. And then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. I want, I want to note, you to notice and us to notice three things about this story. First, uh, Jesus didn't answer the man's question directly, which is interesting. Uh, the man asked, who then is my neighbor? Right, which is kind of a, well, what's the limit of how much I have to do, right? I have to take care for which people are you talking about here? For the Jews, Israelites would have been their neighbors, right? Their own countrymen, that's who they would have thought of. These are my neighbors. Definitely not foreigners, definitely not Gentiles, definitely not Samaritans. But the question that Jesus seems to answer is not who is my neighbor, though I think he does answer it, but... How do you be a neighbor? Right? He demonstrates what love is. How, how do you be a neighbor? How, how do you have mercy? How, how can I have mercy? I think that's the right, that's, that, I think he's pushing and saying, hey, the question you should have asked is, how can I be a good neighbor to those around me? How can I show mercy? The second thing to notice, I think, is that Jesus demolishes racial and cultural barriers here. If you think about it, I'd never thought about this before. Um, the, if, if Jesus wanted to, he could have made the Samaritan the man who got beat up on the side of the road, right? The enemy. And then the priest comes by and then the Levite comes by and then an Israelite layperson comes by and sees him and has compassion. It's like, oh, he's, he's having compassion on his enemy. You're loving your enemies. That's a great message, Right? But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero. 
It's like he's pushing his finger into the racial wound. You know, he's, he's just like pressing it and going, yeah, that he's the one to imitate, the enemy, the one you hate. The, the man at the end of the story, uh, verse 37, when he answers, he says, he can't even say the Samaritan. All the commentators are like, the easiest thing would just be to say, which one showed mercy, the Samaritan. But he can't even say that. He says, the one who showed mercy, right? He didn't even want to say the, the, the word. And so he's, he demolishes racial and cultural barriers. We know the gospel goes to all people and the gospel ensures that our neighbors are our fellow man, right? Whoever they are, whatever they believe, wherever they live, whatever they're from, right? That they, they are people made in God's image, And third, I just want you to notice this story, it demonstrates, it demonstrates love. This story demonstrates what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. It means it's gonna inconvenience you. It's gonna cost, you're gonna have to give away your stuff. You're gonna have to get your donkey bloody. You know, you're gonna have to spend a lot of money on people who you don't know. You're going to you're gonna have to inconvenience yourself, put yourself out, and, and maybe, have, maybe be taken advantage of. This is what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. And that was the test. And now let's look at, at the call. The call. And I think, uh, I think it's always a temptation to read scripture and to, uh, to just agree with it and go, man, that's so good, so insightful, wonderful. I believe that. Uh, but, but not to personalize it, not to make it personal for us. And so I want, I would, I want us to, to make it personal for us this morning. And, and so this, this is the call, right? This, this is the call that Jesus says. Right, the man says, how, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, and, and, uh, well, what do you, how do you read it? And, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. And this is the call of God. This is the great commandment, as Jesus will say in Matthew and so I wonder, do you, do you love God with all your heart, right? your, your, your will, your emotions, your soul, everything inside you? Do you, do you do your, your, your soul just rise to God with all your strength, every action, does every action you do flow out of great love for God and show your allegiance to and your, your devotion to God? With your mind, do all your thoughts honor God? Do you, do you set your mind on him? Do your thoughts rise to him? Do you just adore him? you just think of his beauty and his wonder and his majesty all the time? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Like just as, as you think of your self, do you think of others? As you, as you think of your needs, meeting your needs, do you also spend as much time or more thinking about the needs of others? And, and, and others who, who are in your family and in your community and, and in your uh, workplace and your school 
And, and especially those people who don't look like you or think like you or act like you, or you the people who you wouldn't normally be hanging out with. You, you especially love them as yourself. Neither did the lawyer. Right? Neither, did the, neither did the lawyer. And if I can just state the obvious, this is a problem, isn't it? Right? If that's how you get eternal life, how do I get eternal life? How do I inherit it? Right? Well, here's what you do. Love God, love your neighbor. And we can't. We can't do that. And that's a problem. And so we have to come to mercy, to the mercy. And you might say, Lawson, there's no one who's done that. <laughs> you kidding me? And I'd say, well, there was, there was one. There was one who did this. And I think uh, sometimes it's, it's just best to, to explain things very simply uh, and, and to be very, very straightforward. I, and I've... I've I love this, this little uh, chart. If you're an accountant in here, you're going to be like, yes, finally, a chart. Um, pastor Barry's not the only pastor who can use charts. I can use them too. Uh, and, and so uh, th- this, in this chart, uh, we're going to put in the left-hand column, we're going to put us, okay? And, and I want us, again, to personalize it. I don't want you to just think us in general. I want you to put you there. Put your name there, right? David, Travis, Ryan, Chris, Amy, Nate, you mean to just say everyone? I can see. Uh, no, put your name there, right? Personalize it, Lawson, like put yourself there. I mean, we're going to put kind of our, our record, right? What, what we've done in loving God and loving others as God's call is. Now that we could, this could be an infinitely long list. We don't have that much room, but, but we'll, I'll, I'll try to um, put some that I think will apply, the first one, I think, on our column would be, would be pride. Or we haven't loved God like we should because we're proud. And aren't we? Haven't we thought too highly of ourselves? Haven't we often looked down on others, judged others, condemned them so that we feel better about ourselves? Yeah. Right? If you're like, I don't think so, then like, this one is especially your problem. Next, selfishness. Selfishness. Right? I, I found that the, my default operating system is selfishness. When I wake up in the morning, what I think is, what about me? What am I going to do today? What do I want? What are my needs? I'm all about myself. Oh, how do people perceive me? What can I get out of this? What's the usefulness, the utility of this for me? So much selfishness. Next, lust. We've all wanted something that isn't ours. Oh, looked at, at a person to objectify them and use them for our own pleasure, not, not looking at them as someone to love. Next, disobedience. Haven't we all known the right thing to do and then failed to do it? known what God has called us to and yet not done it. 
And maybe in, in summary, we can say not loving God, right? Have you loved God every moment of every day with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind? Have you loved him that much any moment of any day, of any day of your life? And, and lastly, not loving others. Are we guilty of this? We, we haven't loved others as we loved ourselves more than we loved ourselves. I consider others more important than yourself, Philippians 2 says. We always consider ourselves more important. So often that's what drives our decisions, our daily decisions. Okay, on the, on the right-hand column, we're gonna put uh, Jesus. We're gonna put Jesus, and, and just like uh, we could have an infinite list on our side, uh, Jesus could have an infinite list, but we'll, we'll put a few that we have room for. Where we show pride, Jesus showed what? His life in the gospel, he showed humility. Right, and it's so amazing because he is the greatest one ever. He, like, he's the one, he's the best. He holds everything together. He made everything. There's no one more beautiful or wonderful than him. Like, he, he's the one who every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to. Jesus Christ is Lord, and that will be right. And he could have said that when he was here, but you know what he chose? He didn't, he didn't do that. That would, have been, that would have been not prideful for him to say, worship me, everyone. It would have been right, but he didn't say that. He came and he humbled himself. He lived in obscurity for 30 years. He washed his disciples' feet. He was so patient. He humbled himself to the point of death. Where we show selfishness. Jesus, what? Selflessness. What? His, whole, his whole mission, his whole life was selfless. He, gave, he just gave himself away. He just was here for us, wasn't he? Right? He, he thought of his disciples he was so patient with them. He, he had compassion on the poor and the needy and the sick. He was selfless. Where we lust, he was pure. He showed purity. He was tempted in every way that we are, Hebrews says, yet without sin. Right? He saw every person not as an object to be used, but as, as a, a person made in the image of God, someone who has infinite value and worth, and he loved them. Where we are disobedient, he was obedient. He says, I, I, I did everything that the Father told me to do. I fulfilled everything. I, I, he, never, he never knew what the right, I mean, this is so impressive, think of it. He, he never knew what the right thing to do was, but then just didn't quite get there. You know, didn't quite, no, it was always, yes, that's what I'll do. Where we don't love God, he loved God completely. Every moment of every day, all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, all of his strength, it was all out of love for his father. Where we don't love others, he loved others totally. He loved others totally. And he gave him, that's why he gave himself for us. He, he suffered, he sacrificed. His whole life was one of sacrifice for the good of others, for the good of the world. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friends.
And if you look at your column, again, put your name up there. If you look at what you've done, what, what does the Bible say you should get for that? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. Right? What you earn, what I earn by our pride and our selfishness and our lust and our disobedience and our not loving God, not loving others is death. And not just physical death, but separation from God, his wrath. We, this is what we have earned. And what has Jesus earned? If you look at his life, his humility, his selflessness, his purity, his obedience, his perfectly loving God. What does, he, what does he get? Well, he said it, right? What must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, do this and you will live, right? Love God and love people and you will live. If you fulfill this, then you deserve eternal life, joy, peace, happiness, eternal comfort with the Father. This is what you deserve and this is what Jesus deserved because he kept the law. what he earned it's rightly his and the wonder oh and the beauty and the mystery of the gospel is this he switched names he switched the names he switched places with us he became sin who knew no sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. And Jesus took your pride, your selfishness, your lust, your disobedience, and he paid the penalty for that. He was killed. God's wrath was poured out on him so that you can have his humility his selflessness, his purity, his obedience, his love all on your record and you can receive the reward that Jesus earned, eternal life with the Father. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you see that and you think, man, that's, man, that's not fair, then you're getting it. That's right, it's not fair. Why would he do that? Why would the creator of all, why would the one who's perfect, why would he come down and, and take our sin on himself? Die? Why would he do that? His heart must burn with love for you. His love must be the strongest power in the universe. It seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Oh, but we come every week and we celebrate because it is true. He's done it. He's risen from the dead. We know it. And we've received his mercy. We, we were the ones on the side of the road, half dead, no hope, bleeding out. And Jesus came and he rescued us. He is the merciful one. He's the only one who could. He's the only one who could fulfill all righteousness. And he did it for you and he did it for me. And
And maybe you've never heard that like this. Maybe you've never realized that this clearly, how he took our place. Hey, listen, Jesus invites you. You know, you, like your name can re- really be there on Jesus' column. And all you have to do, you, you know what? You don't have to do any of those things. Isn't that the amazing thing? It's a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. He gives it to you. All you have to do is admit, yeah, I've done all that stuff. I can't, I'm, I'm evil. I'm rebel, I've rebelled and I'm sorry. Help me, rescue me. I need you. Cry out to him, you open your heart and he meets you there and he brings you in. And, and when, this, when this remakes you, <laughs> which is what the gospel does, if there's, if there's better news in the world, I haven't heard it. When, when this news remakes you, then you begin to show mercy. Right? You begin to show mercy. The, the, we, we, we don't want to be people, do we, who just who see someone and you be like, oh... Fine, Jesus says to do it, so I'll do it. You know, like, like that. No, that's not what we want to be. We want to be people, right, who, who are so overwhelmed by the mercy of Christ, so amazed by his love for us that when we see any, we go, oh, how can I help? What, what can I do? It should flow out of us. Right, the lawyer, the lawyer here didn't need more information, did he? He didn't need more information. He, he's the one who gave the answer. What, do you, what does the law say? He knows it. He knows he needs to love God and love his neighbor. He just can't, right? And we're the same. We don't need more information. We know what we should do, don't we? We just fail to do it. We don't need information. We need conversion. We need a new heart, a heart that doesn't love ourselves most, that loves God most, and then so loves others. And even as Christians, don't we? We, we need, uh, we, we've been converted and we need reconversion every day, don't we? Don't we need a, a softening? Right? I, the, uh, there's a song I love, and the line is, I'm a man in need of constant revival. <laughs> That's how I feel, right? We need this, we need this good news always in us, so softening us, shaping us, helping us respond in godly ways to people. The law, the law, the commands of God do not empower us. The gospel is the power of God. Charles Spurgeon said, what the law demands of us, the gospel produces in us. Another way to say it is, run, John, run, the law demands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. A far better word the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. And Jesus sends us, right, his people, in mercy to all who are in need. He sends us in mercy. And and listen, you serve people well, and you know this. I've seen so many of you be so generous. Right, our church is generous. We we partner with team, meeting needs of needy people in Tomball. We're we doing the, the parents' night out. I, it's just such a wonderful program where we can just serve foster families in our community. And, and I could mention many others. Right? There's tons of others that, that are, are going on. 
But, but will you ask God to open your eyes to the, the needy around you? Right, to open your eyes. How, how, can you, how, can, how can, because of the mercy that you've been shown, how can you show mercy to others? How, who is God calling you to, to be merciful to? And maybe it's someone who's physically in need. I think this, this parable honors that kind of ministry. But I think there's also people in, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, there, there are people who may not be physically in need, but who are spiritually bleeding on the side of the road because of their sin, because of life circumstances, because of suffering. They, they do not know what to do. And so may God give us eyes to see not only the physically needy, but the spiritually needy among us. And give us the, the words to say, to reach out, to ask the right questions. Well, how, can I, how can I help? How are you? How can I pray for you? Jesus sends us out in mercy and he equips us with his own mercy and grace. Let's pray. As the band comes up, I'd love to give you just a moment uh, to, to reflect yourself. Uh, maybe you need, uh, I don't know what you need. God speaks to us all in different ways through his word. He's living an active word. And so I, I don't know what you need. Maybe, maybe he's impressing on you something you need to confess. And that's, that's what you need to do right now. Is you need to go to him and just open your heart and be vulnerable to him. And confess, and that's difficult and hard, and it, it's the only way to life. Maybe you're, you, you've, you've in, in hearing again the good news this morning, you are just overwhelmed by the love of God, and maybe God just wants you to sit for 30 seconds and enjoy his love. Do you know that that's a really wonderful thing to do? Maybe you, you haven't experienced the love of God before. And, and maybe you need to right now go to the Lord and, and just admit you're wrong, confess your sin and receive his love for the first time. He invites you to come. A lot of people think they're too bad to come. Right? Which is it's just a really proud thing to think. <laughs> You think your, your sin is stronger than the grace of Jesus? You want to test Jesus in that way? He will beat you in that test. And he not only invites you, he commands you to come, doesn't he? Repent. <laughs> come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Maybe that's your, your first obedience to Jesus is just to come to him right now in this moment. But I'll give you a second. Reflect on what you need to reflect on.